The Debates Commission is the biggest loser in last night's French debate. Trudeau goes off the rail against independent media, and we'll talk about how strategic voting could be the Conservatives' Achilles heel. I'm Candace Malcolm, and this is The Candace Malcolm Show. Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning into the podcast today. It's a big day for us at True North because we have a live broadcast coming up a little later on this evening. Uh, We're going to go live and give you analysis and live reaction to the English debate. The English debate is happening tonight from 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern. We'll be live at 8 p.m. You can find us on YouTube or Facebook, so make sure you check that out. Now, today I want to talk about the French debate that happened last night because really, let me just tell you, it was awful. It was awful. I watched it and I sort of wish I didn't. I can't I can't imagine how many people watched it. I don't I don't think very many. The format was terrible. There were way too many people on stage. Look, if we want to have a debate about ideas where we invite all the candidates, all the national leaders, that's one thing. And we can have a debate, definitely include Maxime Bernier. It was ridiculous that one poll yesterday was showing that he was pulling at 10% and yet he wasn't at the debate. Meanwhile, we have Anime Paul, the leader of the Green Party, pulling somewhere around 2-3% and she was there. She was really out of her place. Look, I sort of feel sorry for Anime Paul. She has a pretty terrible party that seems to be going after her for her Jewish heritage and it's just really ugly over the Green Party. But watch her on the debate stage last night. She just seemed out of her element. Uh, She didn't really have substantive ideas on most issues. I could say the same thing about Jagmeet Singh. I could say the same thing about Eve Blanchett, the bloc leader. None of them really, really had substantive ideas for the country. And looking at this at the stage last night with the five leaders, they basically all agreed on most of the issues. Most of the things that they were talking about, they all sort of agreed. They had little differences here and there with their plans. And in order to really care about those differences, you actually have to trust the politicians to actually follow through on their issues. It's totally irrelevant to hear what the NDP thinks about an issue because they're never going to be they're never going to form government. Jagmeet Singh is not going to become the prime minister. So it's sort of irrelevant and it lost its flow because there's just too many people on stage. So I would have much preferred to have two different debates, one with just Trudeau and Aaron O'Toole, the two people who might actually become prime minister and have a battle of ideas between the two of them where they really hold each other to the fire and then have another debate where we have all the party leaders and let them talk about all their various different ideas. At least Maxine Bernie has a different perspective on most issues. So it would have been a breath of fresh air to just have something different on stage. But instead, we had more of the same. They spent half the night completely bashing Canada's energy industry, all trying to one-up each other about climate change. And it's really interesting because the issues that conservatives care about, the issues at True North's own poll, we asked, and we found that the issues that conservative voters care most about are government spending and debt and jobs in the economy. And those two issues were just barely, barely touched upon in the debate last night. So it was a total failure. Now, for me, I'll just say the most interesting part of the debate wasn't the actual debate because the, the format was just, like I said, so bad. There was barely any pushback. There wasn't really any holding anyone's feet to the fire. There was sort of one passionate moment where Justin Trudeau really lost it at the bloc leader and said that he's just as much of a Quebecer as the bloc leader. I mean, to anyone outside of Quebec, you just kind of roll your eyes at how much these guys pander to Quebec and how obsessed they are with their French Quebec identity. You know, this is supposed to be a national debate. You're supposed to be Prime Minister of Canada. The most passionate moment from Trudeau was him defending being a Quebecer. Like, okay, 
like good for you. We all know you're from Quebec, Justin Trudeau. Um, uh, but for me, the interesting part again is the scrums afterwards. That's when journalists get to ask their own questions. Again, most journalists are just as boring as these politicians, so most of the questions weren't that interesting. But of course, as you probably saw, the Rebel News had an emergency court injunction, and they were once again accredited at the last minute. So if you followed True North for a while, you know that back in 2019, we were in the same position. Our reporter, Andrew Lawton, was also barred back then. We took him to court. I took him to court. I was in the federal court in Toronto in 2019, and we won. We got our journalists in. It was a great victory for us here at True North, but also for free speech and media independence, free free press uh, all, all over Canada, journalists all over Canada. Uh, so that was a great moment. They did it again this year. And once again, a federal judge said no to the Debates Commission. No, you cannot pick and choose who is and who isn't a journalist. The rebel are just as much journalists and they deserve to be there. So it was great to see the rebel. They add a little bit of color, a little bit of character. And unfortunately for the rebel and their journalists, some of the politicians in the debate last night just flat out refused to answer their questions. So I'm talking about Jagmeet Singh, the NDP leader. He was asked a very substantive question about his support of Big Pharma. Traditionally, the left has not been big fans of Big Pharma. And, and Singh himself rails into billionaires and big transnational corporations. And yet, when it came to Big Pharma, he seems to be an ally. So Rebel asked a good question. Singh said he wasn't going to answer. Unfortunately for Singh, the very next question was also from another Rebel reporter who put a great question to him and just said, look, this question isn't from me. This question isn't from the rebel. This question is from millions of Canadians that want to know your opinion on this. Do, don't they matter? You know, you're the guy that says that we shouldn't marginalize people, that we should be diverse and inclusive. And yet here you are refusing to answer questions from someone because you perceive them as being right wing and sort of made Singh look really stupid, <laughs> made him look like the airhead that he is. Once again, he refused to answer that question. So that was pretty pathetic to see. Here we have a debate where they refuse to let a right wing leader in and they refuse to answer questions from right wing media. They're completely excluding uh, part of the country, and that's not good to see. Now, Trudeau's own Andrew Lawton was in there. He asked some great questions. He got a question to Justin Trudeau where he asked about genocide in Canada's history, whether Trudeau believed that we were committing genocide. Of course, Trudeau gave a non-answer. And he asked a good question to Jagmeet Singh, the NDP leader, about uh, Singh's position on hate speech and regulating free speech on the internet. So head on over to tnc.news to check out those clips because you're going to want to watch them. They're really great. I want to show you one clip from the debate last night. This is what it looked like when a rebel journalist got a question to Justin Trudeau. And you can really see how Justin Trudeau turns and starts really just lashing out at this reporter, blaming them for spreading misinformation, saying that they don't report the science, and then how he pivots to start complimenting his friends in the media and really trying to you know, make them feel good, make them feel warm and fuzzy. I, I mentioned this the other day on the show as well, that Trudeau loves to do this. He loves to give a little shout out to the journalists, make them all know that he's on their side, that he loves them. It's not it's not these journalists that are the problem. Trudeau loves journalists. He just, he just doesn't like the right-wing journalists. And he really, really demonizes, uh, again, Canadians who don't want to get vaccinated, Canadians who are skeptical of vaccines, Canadians who are sick of lockdowns. You can, you can see how he pivots and really starts demonizing, starts dividing and pitting Canadians against each other. So let's show that clip. The only reason that I'm allowed to ask you this question is because today the federal court ruled that the government doesn't have the right to determine who is or is not a journalist. This is the second election in a row that the court had to overturn your government. Do you still insist on being able to make that decision and why? First of all, questions around accreditation were handled by the press gallery. Organizations like yours 
that continue to spread misinformation and disinformation on the science around vaccines, around how we're going to actually get through this pandemic and be there for each other and keep our kids safe is part of why we're seeing such um, unfortunate uh, anger and lack of understanding of basic science. Your, I won't call it a media organization, your group of uh, individuals uh, need to take accountability for uh, some of the polarization that we're seeing in this country. And I salute all extraordinary hardworking journalists that put science and facts at the heart of what they do and ask me tough questions every day, uh, but make sure that they are educating and informing Canadians from a broad range of perspectives, which is the last thing that you guys do. So again, you can see Trudeau straight up blaming the rebel for the rallies, for the protests, for the anger that he's seen on the campaign trail at his rallies. Again, this is Trudeau just trying to divide Canadians, pit us against each other, and really creating a boogeyman out of the rebels, saying that they're to blame for all the problems in the world. It's kind of scary to see a leader of a party, the Prime Minister of Canada, really targeting and coming down on one specific organization. Now, regardless of your view of the rebel, love them or hate them, if you think they're legitimate journalists or you think they're just provocateurs, it's still a little scary, a little disconcerting to see the Prime Minister of Canada, the leader of a political party, really demonizing and coming down on one media outlet, sort of blaming them for all the troubles in Canada. That should make you feel uneasy, regardless of what you think of the rebel. Now, I want to shift gears a little bit here. So yesterday on the show, we told you about the exclusive, independent, and scientifically valid poll that True North commissioned about the election. We told you about how the Liberals blew a spectacular lead in the campaign and how it's too close to call. The election is too close to call. Our poll had the Conservatives up by two points, but the way that the vote is distributed, really it could become a minority liberal government or a minority conservative government. It's too close to call. Right now, what we saw was that young male voters have really come over to support the Conservatives. Meanwhile, the Liberals have maintained their support of older women, women over 55. And we also tapped into that huge gain of support by the PPC, by the People's Party and Maxime Bernier's party, as he's seen a big grow in his popularity at the expense of the other protest parties, the ones that were included in the debate while Maxime Bernier was excluded. Well, today we're going to dig even deeper into that national poll. And to do that, I am joined by Hamish Marshall. Hamish, nice to see you. Great to see you. See you, Candice. So, so one of the issues that you asked Canadians about and you identified was what issues do they care about in this election? What issues are driving the vote in 2021? So why don't you help us uh, by breaking that down, Hamish? Sure. So we asked people what are the two issues that they think are most important uh, facing Canada today. Uh, number one, probably not a giant surprise, is getting through the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. 30% uh, say that uh, climate change and the environment uh, is, uh, is one of the most important issues. Uh, followed by government spending and debt at 25%, and then affordability and the cost of living behind that, uh, and jobs in the economy. But what's really interesting about this actually is what issues you care about varies a great deal depending on who you're voting for. So conservatives uh, care a lot about government spending and debt. It's their number one issue by a long way. 51% of conservatives say it's one of those two most important issues, uh, followed by uh, jobs in the economy at 32%. And then COVID comes three a third at 28%. Whereas liberals care about something else entirely. Liberals really care about the COVID pandemic. 
Uh, and that's actually one of the reasons, 52% of them say it's, it's the most important issue. What's, what's actually interesting about that is that is the liberals were most concerned with the pandemic. And I think that's one of the reasons why calling an early election has backfired in Trudeau and turned off some liberal voters or dampened some enthusiasm perhaps a little bit uh, because uh, they're the ones that care the most about it and holding an election in the middle of it maybe doesn't jive uh, with, uh, with that. Um, they also care an awful lot about climate change and the environment, 45% say it's one of the top two issues. Uh, and then uh, healthcare outside of excluding COVID is the number three issue. Uh, the other thing that jumped out for me is that uh, issues that have been talked a lot about in the media aren't necessarily cutting through uh, to Canadians. So obviously we've had a big blow up in Afghanistan and, and the fall of the Taliban and foreign affairs has been the front pages of the newspapers leading the newscasts uh, for much of the last month. Uh, but only 2% of Canadians say it's uh, one of the two most important issues. Uh, and then Indigenous reconciliation, which we heard an awful lot about uh, in the spring, and a lot of pundits were saying was going to be a dominant issue of the campaign. Uh, again, only 7% say it's one of the most important issues. Uh, sorry, uh, so that it shows that, that often media-driven issues aren't what people uh, actually uh, care about. Um, the other thing that we asked that I think was very interesting is we asked people uh, what about the, the uh, lockdowns? Had lockdowns changed their view about government? And we basically give them the choice between choosing between lockdowns made them more concerned about the power of government. 35% of Canadians say that lockdowns made them more concerned about the power of government. But 65% uh, say that they are, uh, they, they've made them, the lockdowns made them grateful that government has the power to, uh, to take steps to look after them. Um, so, not a, a super strong result, but it is encouraging that there's 35% of Canadians that, that have that freedom uh, uh, focused approach. What's most interesting about that is Quebec, where we've seen some of the biggest anti-lockdown protests, actually that number who are more concerned about the power of government has risen is even greater. It's 48% uh, of Quebecers are uh, more lockdowns have made them more concerned about the power of government. Maybe that's because historically Quebecers have been more uh, okay with the power of the state and they've got bigger room to grow in terms of concern. Uh, but it certainly makes an interesting point that the, 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 what's going on in Quebec in terms of the big protests is real and is concern to a lot of people. And maybe just maybe that can, that can help uh, Maxime Bernier and the PPC, uh, especially in his own riding. Uh, he's got a long way to go, so we'll see. It's, I'm not making a prediction that he's going to run off with it, uh, but uh, it does show that there's a fertile ground for his message there. Well, and everyone was circulating that poll yesterday that showed that the PPC was at 10% nationally. Now, I know that our, our poll showed something a little different. I think we were something around 4% or maybe it was 6%. I can't exactly remember, but still uh, definitely uh, growth and uh, a, a lot more appetite for, for Bernier's message than uh, in 2019. Uh, one, of the, one of the interesting things that you tapped in on in this poll, Hamish, is the idea of strategic voting. So every every election, especially when it looks like a conservative is doing well and they might even win, uh, we, we, we fall back to that old uh, liberal strategic tactic of scaring progressive voters and, and getting them to strategically vote in favor of the liberals. Uh, you, you asked a couple questions about this in the poll. So what did, what did we hear about strategic voting? So we asked everybody who said they were voting either Green or NDP, we said, if it looks like the conservatives are gonna win, uh, would you vote for uh, the liberal candidate in your riding in order to stop uh, a conservative government or conservatives from winning? And uh, the answer is, uh, on the whole, a lot of the would. 20% uh, say they're very likely to do so. Another 21% uh, say they're moderately likely to do so, which means overall it's 59% who say they're not really likely to do so. But 
you know, if you take the, the NDP vote and the Green vote combined, even if just that 20%, we say they're very likely to do that to stop the Conservatives, they'll move to the Liberals. That works out to 4.6% of the vote. If that if you add 4.6% of the popular vote onto where the Liberals are sitting today, we're in an environment where the Liberals will be able to win uh, the election by two or three points, uh, assuming that everything else stays the same. Uh, so that's going to be a huge focus of the Liberal campaign uh, over the over the next uh, 10 days. It's going to be a big focus of, of Trudeau in, in the debate. Uh, tonight in order to uh, to drive those voters over. We've already seen the NDP vote drift down. We've got them at you know at 20% previous polls earlier in the campaign, they were at 22, 23. So I think somebody once had them at 24. So they're dr already drifting down. We, the Liberals have got a little bit of their mojo back. If they can continue that trend, pick up another three or 4%, uh, it's going to be very, very difficult. Uh, it's a big, it faces a big, big strategic uh, uh, issue for, for O'Toole. Wow, that's really interesting. And again, yeah, the final week of the campaign coming up next week, uh, that's something that we're definitely going to be watching. Well, Hamish, I really appreciate you joining us to break down the poll. It was really interesting. And tonight is the big night. We're going to be going live uh, during the debate before and after. Hamish will be there with me the whole night to break everything down and to provide that analysis. So make sure you tune in starting at 8 p.m. Eastern. Thank you so much, Hamish, for joining us. My pleasure, and tonight's going to be a lot of fun. Absolutely. All right. Thank you so much for joining us, and see you again later tonight. I'm Candace Malcolm, and this is The Candace Malcolm Show.